all. The differences really don't usually make much of a difference. Mm. I think we should never squabble too much over translations. And it goes to what we, I think we mentioned this in our <clears throat> previous video, but don't get married to one translation. Yeah, just date you know. them, don't marry them. Yeah, so have one that you like and you're comfortable with and you're familiar with, but obviously when doing deep study, sometimes one verse can be compared between them and get a better understanding. Yeah. So hello everyone and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, he silently waved at everyone. Yes, uh, hello. He's glad to be here. So we are recording this in December of 2023. Wow, it's crazy. I know, just to put a little timestamp on this one. And around this time, usually around Christmas and then around you know people's birthdays throughout the year, but I will get questions, and I'm sure you do as well, of people asking, hey, I'd really like to get a Bible for somebody. What should I be looking for? What yep. kind of Bible should I get? What translation should I get? Yes. So, so we're looking at when we choose a Bible— Maybe what are some criteria we could look at? Because I guess right off the bat, is there one Bible that fits everyone? No. <laughs> I'm glad that was such a short answer. Um, so we should break it down a little. Okay. Um, let's start out by just looking in the culture a little bit. And okay. as of 2022, which is that bottom one there, can yeah. you share the one, two, three, four, five? 10, down through 10, best-selling Bibles, English Bibles. All right. Best-selling English Bibles. Here we go. Starting with number 10. I'll do it in reverse order. All right. We have the New American Standard Bible. 10th best. 10th best. All right. 9th best, The Message. All right. 8th, the New International Reader's Version. Okay. 7, the Rihanna Valera. The Rihanna Valera. That's a Hispanic Spanish translation. Okay. Number six, the New King James Version. Number five, the Christian Standard Bible. Number four, the KJV, the good old King James. Mm -hmm. Number three, the ESV, English Standard Version. Number two, the New Living Translation. And number one, the New International Version. <clears throat> All right, so if we were going with just popularity, that list could um, guide you. Mm-hmm. But popularity is not the only thing we ought to look at if we're choosing a Bible. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about some some categories of things that we need to consider. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first one in choosing a Bible would be uh, the translation philosophy of that mm -hmm. Bible. Is this like the boring stuff at the front pages of the Bible and maybe on the website of the translation? And It may be boring, but it's, it's really important. Basically, True. the translation philosophy boils down to how literal mm -hmm. the translation needs to be. Um, there, there are like, if we divided a, a linear scale up of translations, we yeah. would have more literal, trying to be more word for word, which none okay. of them are completely, but right. more word for word. Then in the middle, we'd have what they call dynamic equivalence. Mm -hmm. And that means that the translators want, want the reader today to get exactly the same meaning or message mm -hmm. as the readers did back then. Okay. And then the third category of translations would be paraphrase, which are not really translations, that's where people are 
are giving you kind of a gist, but they're they're expanding. They're giving their own comments. They're giving their own ideas along with it to to supposedly clarify it for mm. us. Okay. So some people see don't even see that end of the scale. They just see it as the difference of you either have word for word or you have the phrase for phrase is kind of how I've heard the dynamic equivalent uh, put before. Sort of. Yeah. But there, that's more the middle ground. It is, and uh, there's a lot of ground in that middle ground. Sure. But um, as you go across from most charts that you'll see on the Internet or wherever, they'll have the more literal ones on the on the left-hand side and in the middle the more dynamic equivalents, and in the far right yeah. they'll have have the uh, that may be counterintuitive, but yeah. uh, they have the the more free paraphrasy. Okay. Not not. So I, just as one example of each of those, uh, starting on the paraphrasy end, like that's going to be yeah, that's going to be like the message. Eugene Peterson did a one man paraphrase that is uh, called the message. He did an interview. I'm not. I can't remember whether it was with Leadership Magazine or Christianity Today. I want to say Christianity Today. And anyway, in the interview, he talked about this and he said that he wouldn't want this to be used as like the scripture reading in church or anything as if it was the word of God. Mm. He, he freely admits that this is his ideas, his expansions, his commentary on the word yeah. of God, but this should not be viewed as the word of God. Yeah. It's, it's one of those where sometimes in our own minds, we read something and we go, oh, it kind of means the same as this. That's basically what he did and then published it for everyone else. Yeah, but people that buy this, and it says the New Testament up there, mm. they think, most people out there that buy it think they're actually reading the New Testament as the apostles wrote it. That's gotcha. not true. Yeah, This is Mr. Peterson's ideas about the New Testament. And so then moving more into the middle of that scale, those dynamic equivalents, phrase for phrase sort of translations, what do we have kind of there in the middle? Well, in the middle, and really, um, it depends on what what um, year you're in. Uh, the New International Version, the most recent ones, would mm -hmm. be in the middle dynamic equivalence type okay. uh, translation. I'm not talking about the New International Reader's Version. Mm -hmm. That's more paraphrasy. Yes. But the New International Version is more in the middle dynamic equivalence. Uh, however, if you go back to like 1984, this well-used one of mine, the, the New International of 1984, this is really, honestly, toward the more literal side. Mm. It just reads in more modern English. So yeah. anyway, um, New International would be in that okay. uh, dynamic equivalence area. Yeah. And then moving towards more of the literal, the word for word, trying to get as close to each word's meaning as possible, we would have what, like? American Standard sort of idea? Well, you would have uh, the new American Standard for sure, which is the 10th mm -hmm. bestseller there. Uh, yeah. As of 2022, you would have the English Standard version, the the ESV that you okay. use. That's the third bestselling, yeah. uh, surprisingly to me, but I'm glad it's a, it's a quite literal translation. Uh, you have the uh, King James and New King James that are both uh, toward the more literal side that mm -hmm. are both on that list and then you have the if depending on again the the um, addition of the Riena Valera in Spanish uh, that's a fairly literal translation as well so yeah. and so when you're looking at that we're not saying okay you need to get a literal translation on that far end 
necessarily as opposed to maybe the dynamic equivalent. Not necessarily, depending on who you are. Yeah, who you and are. And what you want to do with it. Yeah, and so maybe that's where we start is if you're getting this for a child or a teen or maybe a new Christian, is it more important that it gets word for word or maybe that it's a little more readability and something they desire to spend time in? Well, okay. let me let me answer that in just a second. There's one more thing we need to say about this first place. Okay. The more literal translations have a, a philosophy that comes from the Bible itself hmm. that the words of Scripture are inspired by God and that... Uh, God, you know, Jesus even said, not the smallest letter, not the smallest stroke of a letter shall pass from the law. So the individual words were very important to the prophets of God and to the, the ones that are in the Bible, actually. Yeah. So based on that, the, the wanting to be as close to possible as, the, uh, as possible to the original is, a, is because we believe in the biblical inspiration you know that's yeah. that's the thing that pushes us in that direction now to answer your question it depends because the other factor in this is readability that's yeah. the second category uh, if you look on the bestseller list mm -hmm. you've got the new international which is at about a seventh grade reading level mm -hmm. which is really good those of you out there should not think that's bad it's easy to read and so more people will feel comfortable with it and more people will actually read it mm. because it's not hard to read. But some of these, like the English Standard and the New American Standard and uh, certainly the Old King James at, at this day and time, yeah. they require a much higher reading level even though they're more literal. But the downside of that is many people out there have difficulty reading them and they're not comfortable reading and comprehending it. Mm. So it doesn't do them much good to have a Bible that they can't read. Right. A lot of times, even the more literal ones will simply choose a more modern word in its place. Now, the best one on that, uh, now, the, the NIV is good with that, but, but this, the New King James Bible... Mm is very readable. It has a lower reading level. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's extremely readable in modern English. And it's also a fairly literal translation. So um, this is a good one if you're if you're not going to read the New New International, this is also a good one to read. Mm -hmm. It's more toward the literal end. Okay. And it's it's very readable. Now, I will have one note. I, I have to jump in with the concept of a reading level score. Yes. Don't always look at that as a one-size-fits-all approach, either as, oh, well, it says seventh grade reading level. I obviously read higher than seventh grade reading level, so that should be okay. Or that, oh, it's a fifth grade reading level. That's what I should get from my fifth grader. R reading, no. reading levels are not static. Um, if you take, they are representative of the whole. So there will be sections that are higher or lower. Um, there are also individual words within a Bible context that are harder to score as opposed to maybe the book you're getting for your child at the library. So boil that down to the, the, uh, the message that you're trying to say. So the across. message I'm trying to say is just because, let's say, a Bible translation says, all right, it has a reading level of eighth grade, and you're worried that may not be readable for your child. 
number one, know your child's reading level, but number two, are you wanting it to be something that stays below them, something they can grow with, or something that you can work through them, work through with them, but I'm not always a big fan of of putting a number on it and saying sure. that that's where you should go. With yeah, something. my my only purpose in that is having studied the Bible with all kinds of people, mm. having taught all kinds of people, even in my preacher training school as I teach, I run into young men that I can tell these young men that are preparing to preach yeah. that they they are struggling with the Bible version that they've been told to get. Mm. It's a literal translation yeah but they're struggling with reading and comprehending it right and so that, so we need something that we can comprehend yes and that's where reading level doesn't always tell you it's readability it tells you it's comprehension score yeah and that's and, what i mean you're yeah. able to comprehend it and so there are certain things that will have a higher reading level but they will be easier to read because of the way that they have been written and structured so, for instance, trying to read a very literal ESV translation, even if the words are simple, the sentence structure is kind of clunky. There'll be extra commas. They'll be stretched out longer versus even going to the Christian Standard Bible, as one example. It still has a pretty high reading score in some cases, but they've restructured the sentences to make it much easier to read. Okay, yeah. very good. So, um, readability basically says, will this person... Mm -hmm be comfortable enough with this Bible so that they will be able to read it and comprehend oh, yeah. most of what they're reading. Yeah. That's that's the idea. So it, they can memorize a million words that they have no clue about. That's exactly that's right. No, that's of no help. <laughs> so translation philosophy, mm -hmm. believing in the inspiration of the word, and those tend to be the more literal ones. Mm -hmm. uh, readability, you know, that's really important for the individual. Then um, a third thing um, well, let's back up on the readability. Mm -hmm. uh, the New Living Translation is very readable. It is. But it's extremely paraphrasy. Mm. And so it moves quite a bit away from uh, the, the literal words of the actual Greek and Hebrew text. And sometimes it will completely substitute entire sentences and mm. put them in completely different words. So it moves quite a, a ways out there toward the paraphrasy. Mm. So if you were going to call it a dynamic equivalence, you would have to move it way on the paraphrase side of the yeah. dynamic equivalence. So with that one, which is number two bestseller, mm -hmm. my opinion is it's very readable, but you're sacrificing a lot of what is in uh, the actual biblical text, whereas with New International or New King James, uh, you're not sacrificing that. Yeah. And if I, and it's been a little bit since I've looked at it specifically, but I seem to remember that was part of the New Living Translation's goal was they wanted to maintain some specific words, whatever those were, but they also wanted to give more readability. So they yeah. kind of were trying to straddle the fence on that. They were, and, and the problem is that, that folks out there don't get into the weeds with this stuff. Sure. See? So anyway, readability. Now, the third mm -hmm. thing we've got down here is the idea of the helps that your Bible is going to have. Oh, yeah. I, I'm always sad when you get a Bible that doesn't have maps at the end, which mine does not. Yes. <laughs> um, maps are really important to follow the biblical story, know where the people were going, 
um, you know, the journeys of Paul, all those things. Maps are really important. Mm -hmm. All Bibles almost used to have maps. They're not as frequent anymore, but a good study Bible that you want to really learn from, the maps are important. The reference system, Mm -hmm. uh, there should be biblical cross-references if you're going to study that will really help you in your study. Which this is... it's always helpful to get your hands on the Bible. Yes. If you're in a, if you were in a good old fashioned Bible bookstore, they usually have one copy that's open that you can thumb through. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're online, try to find a way to look at the previews of those different things because, yeah, knowing that there's going to be maps or little helps along the way, you don't necessarily want a ton of information that's trying to preach to you, so to say. No, that's commentary. You don't want commentary. We don't want those things, just because they can be. You know, kind of clunky when they can be biased. That as well. But um, your cross references in scripture, your maps are really good. And and to all of you out there, this has nothing to do with the Bible translation. Mm. Uh, Whether it's New International or New King James or English Standard or Christian Standard or New American Standard, it's more nothing to do with that. The publisher will put these helps in there or not. And they have nothing to do with the translation. Again, that kind of goes to what are you getting the Bible for? You know, if your child is about to go backpacking across Europe and they need a Bible, you're not going to get them a big chunky thing with a bunch of cross references. You want to get them the version that works best and something that's tight and compact and probably yeah. has a little fold over to where the pages yeah. don't get crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these are the sort of what are you getting it for? But do you want wise? the Bible to to study and learn and grow as much as you can about the Bible and God's Word? If you want that, yeah, then you, then you need the maps and the references and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. To go with it. If nothing else, you really want to make sure the Bible has you know at the very bottom it'll have a couple of notes, or down the middle it'll have a couple of scripture references. Right. If it doesn't have anything and it's just the text, that may be really good for a beginner reading it but it's not going to do much good long-term study-wise. For study, that's yeah. right. So do I want this for for my personal Bible study? Do I want this for a child who's just beginning to read? Do I want this for uh, a teenager who's leaving home to go to college and I want them to have a good study Bible, but that they will also read? Mm-hmm. Do I want this for a person, which this is, we're more and more confronting this, who speaks English as a second language? Yeah. And they're trying to begin to read the Bible, and they need mm-hmm. to something easy to read. See, who do you want it for, and yeah. what do you want them to be able to do with it? And then we can go even deeper into the, do you want to get the side-by-side translations? So like an English-Spanish side-by-side. Sure. Do you want to get a side-by-side of, like my dad had a King James and NIV side-by-side. Sure, side. compare. Yeah. yeah. And the comparative versions, if you have three or four versions side-by-side, those are really valuable to, if you really want to study. Those are great, too. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of those sort of nuts and bolts pieces of when you're looking through. And like you said, that has nothing to do with, was well, it a good translation or not? It's, well, what is this going to help me accomplish? Yeah. And see, let me see your Bible a minute, Jed. This is Jed's ESV, and it's a good translation. But, whoops. He's dropping my I'm stuff. I'm dropping his papers. It's like a filing cabinet. It is. When I open up his ESV, this thing is so tiny print that I don't <laughs> care how good it is, I could never use it because I can't see it. Yeah. See? And you should see my markings in it. They're even smaller. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> but I would have to have a large print Bible. I got to get this back in the right spot. And a lot of people, a lot of people have to have a large print Bible, so that's important, too. Oh, yeah. All right, so finally, and there may be some other things that Jed wants to bring up. Yeah. 
Let's talk for a minute about the textual basis of the Bible you choose. Okay. Um, textual basis means what is the Greek text or Hebrew text that the translation is using to uh, make this translation? Yeah. So um, are we talking, is this finding the oldest or the most, you know, complete or is that kind of what we're talking about as far as old texts? Well, we're talking about uh, uh, primarily um, the difference between the Greek text that was current in the 1500s, which was based on about half a dozen late manuscripts. That Greek text is called the Textus Receptus Greek text. And um, if you base it on that, which is going to be the textual basis for the King James Version and the New King James Version and one or two others, uh, you're going to end up with a 4 to 5% less accurate to the original Greek text. Ooh, now it's going to hurt some people out well, there. Well, I know. It's, <laughs> it's not going to change anything doctrinally or anything like that. You'll be fine reading what you need to know. But if you really are into wanting to get as close to the original as possible, you need um, a translation that is based on the modern critical Greek text, which is based on the entirety of like the 6,000 almost manuscripts of the Greek New mm -hmm. Testament, the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah. all the Hebrew Masoretic manuscripts. It's just because we've had such an explosion of archaeological finds. Right, we know a lot time. more about the text than yeah. we knew in 1611. And so you're, you're going to get a a little bit more accurate to the original text. We Right now, because of computers and everything, we have a 99 point something, something, something percent scientifically accurate Greek text. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's very awesome. Yeah. It's wonderful that God has preserved his word that way. But of all these versions here, mm -hmm. you know, you've got, um, well, I, I'm not sure that the message is based on any kind of Greek or Hebrew text. <laughs> yeah, let's leave that one out. But certainly the New American Standard, uh, the Rihanna, well, not the Rihanna Valera, that's also based on the Texas Receptus. Okay. Uh, the the uh, Christian Standard, I'm pretty sure, the, mm -hmm. the, the English Standard, the New International, all of those uh, would be based on the modern critical Greek text. Okay. So that's a lot to chew on and that may be where most of you want to go okay i've got more than enough information so let's call it quits and i'll go digging through um honestly if you ever want to reach out to us i love helping people look for bibles sure it's a lot of fun um even down to sometimes they wonder which you know kids version of a bible especially that's that's kind of where my my realm tends to be mm -hmm. but for those of you that want to hang on with us can we can we play a little game? Sure. All right, <laughs> a little game. I've got a couple of verses with a cup with five of the top versions that we've talked about. I'm just going to read the verse, and you tell us which one is closest or which one. Why should I tell you? Because you tend. Which one would you agree most with the translation, or would you see as closest to the original Greek? Okay. All right. So here we go. <laughs> go ahead. I'm ready. Romans 8, 28, okay. right? So this is the Christian Standard Bible. Okay. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Where would you rank that like one to five, five being the best? 
Well, it's pretty standard. I would probably rank it about a three and a half. Okay, here's the ESV. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. About a 3.8 or a 4. Okay. This is the King James. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It's probably about like the ESV, 3.8 or 4. Okay. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the NIV. That's about a 4.1 or 2. Ah. For we, is it because that's putting the emphasis on God instead of the things working? It's a grammatical thing. The, the, the phrase, according to his purpose, uh, is an adverbial phrase, and it modifies works. Hmm. So how does God work? He works according to his purpose. So it's kind it, of got the right parts in the right order. It's not, it's not that we're called according to his purpose. That's not the idea. Mm. It's that he works according to his purpose with respect to those who love him, to those who are his called. Okay. And then the last one here is the New Living Translation. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's about a four. Okay. It got a little wordy at the end, but it... I think their dynamic equivalence is, is pretty good. All of them are good. Yeah. Uh, you can fine-tune that. That's a particularly difficult verse, so you yeah. picked a difficult that, verse. That's why I went with that one, you know, because it, we come up to that one every now and again. Now, you're going you're gonna to hit me in a place that I don't know as well in the Samuel text, but... I won't go to that one. I'll stick with the... I think I've got two New Testament. All right, go, go to the New Testament, because right. I'm not as good on the Hebrew text. This is John 3.16. Uh, we'll start with the Christian standard on this one. Okay. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's a good translation. It, the word order is a little different. It's readable. Um, one and only, I would kind of question that, but it's 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 better than only begotten. Hmm. So... It's it's a it's it's pretty good. It's a four point two or three or something like that. Okay, the NIV for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, I'd give it about a four four point one. It's a it's it doesn't do real great with the subjunctive case there, but it it's it's a good translation. Okay, ESV. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, it's better than some of the others. It's good. It's probably a 4.3 or so. Okay. I, I mean, they're all hanging out in pretty good range. Yeah, there. they're, they're so. all very good. It's just... Only the word the word monogenes, which is translated by some only begotten, mm -hmm. it means unique. Yeah, it doesn't mean only because um, in Hebrews eleven, um, Isaac is called Abraham's monogenes son, and Isaac was just one of his sons. He had Ishmael and Isaac. See, so it can't mean only. It yeah. it means unique. Hmm. But anyway, we, we, we don't need to get that deep into the weeds. No, that's kind of the fun part of this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
It's um, and so then the New Living Translation says, "For this is how God loved the world; He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life." Yeah, they eradicate the subjunctive by saying "will not" instead of "should not," mm. and uh, they do the same thing with one and only. But still, it's not horrible. Yeah, and last one, the King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. It's a, it's a very good translation. It may be the best in that except for the one word only begotten, mm. which is incorrect. Yeah. So uh, we could keep doing this. It's kind of fun, um, This just to give them a shout out, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, actually put out a huge chart of comparisons between all of those translations that we just talked about. And so if you ever really want to dig into a lot of these differences, you can... Which are these that you list them off again? See, That was the Christian Standard Bible, yeah. the NIV, the New International, the ESV, the English Standard, the NLT, the New Living Translation, and then the good old King James Version. And, and with all of those, with maybe the exception of the New Living, I think you'd do fine. And if you're a First time reader, and you want to give it to a child or something, maybe the New Living. Yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, it's like they all, all have, of those are good. They're all good translations. So I think the main thing is sometimes we spend so much time going, okay, this is the one and only translation. And hopefully through this, you can see that there are differences, but overall. The differences really don't usually make much of a difference. Mm. I think we should never squabble too much over translations. Well, Understand that, that I'm only giving my opinion here based on reading the Greek text of this verse for many, many, many years. Yeah. But it there's not a hair's breadth of difference between any of these. And it goes to what we, I think we mentioned this in our <clears throat> previous video, but don't get married to one translation. Yeah, just date you know, them, don't marry them. Yeah, so have one that you like and you're comfortable with and you're familiar with, but obviously when doing deep study, sometimes one verse can be compared between them and get a better understanding. Yeah, this type of thing is like your comparative translation where you have three or four translations beside each other and you're studying, which is yeah. great. Yeah, so, so I guess ending message. Thank you for those who stuck with us through the, the fun there. But the ending message is, Find you a Bible that you want to spend time in. Yeah, and that you can really learn from and that respects the inspiration of the and authority of the Bible. You know, find one like that, and there are several of them that'll do just as good and just get in there and read and study and try to do what it says. There we go. Well, thanks for sticking with us, and we hope that this was helpful as you go looking for ways to study and dig into God's Word. So thanks again. Thanks, Dan. Yep. We'll see you all next time.